Welcome everyone to the Happy Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jack, lifestyle entrepreneur, professional model slash actor, biohacker, and eco-warrior striving to make a positive impact on this planet. My goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain you while reminding you to enjoy the journey, not just the destination, as you happy hustle for a life of passion and purpose. I am so grateful and humbled to be spending some time together today. Now let's dive in. What is up, you happy hustlers out there? I hope you are having a fabulous day thus far. For this Sunday story, I have a very special guest. My brother, my business partner, my best friend, Grant Kenzier, is breathing fire on the hot mic over to my left. Grant, how are you doing today? Doing wonderful. Gorgeous <laughs> Sunday here in uh, Delray Beach, Florida. Guys, we have a doozy of a story for you today. It is titled Hustling but not happy on the fast track to burnout, the New York grind. I can't wait to dive in on this one, guys. We learned a lot from this time in our lives, and uh, I hope you learned something too. So without further ado, let's dive into this Sunday's story on the Happy Hustle Podcast. All right, guys, we're back for this Sunday story titled Hustling But Not Happy on the Fast Track to Burnout, the New York Grind. And this story in particular, it strikes a chord with me because this is when I realized that I was hustling, but I wasn't happy. I was really focused on success and all these barometers of success that weren't mine, but were societies. And if you're in a job or if you're hustling right now, maybe on the fast track to burnout and you want to pivot, this story is going to resonate with you too. I got my brother Grant on the mic because, you know, him and I lived this together. So I wanted him to share his side of the story. Grant, kick us off. Where were we? What was it like back in uh, 2015? in new york city and what the heck were we doing oh man i remember the day we we took off to new york with you know going to the concrete jungle where dreams are made of we're on the plane with all these ambitions we're just starting this company called feedbacker um and we were just ready to take on the world guys for just so you know feedbacker was a tech company essentially a big data play where we started it out of necessity we wanted feedback going on castings in the in the acting and modeling world we never got feedback so we wanted to get feedback from these clients these casting directors etc so we created a survey that quantified emotion and we asked these you know casting directors okay what should we start doing what should we stop doing what should we keep doing and this was a business that was really just born out of solving our own problems first and foremost and then others were wanting to use it as well. So Grant actually built the beta app and really we started getting users testing, you know, this this model of of aggregating feedback and then it just started blossoming into a, a viable vi- business that really could positively impact the world. Yeah, there was so much more to the business as we discovered. I remember we were like, yeah, it came from our own need in the modeling acting industry. But then we, we saw other people's perspective on it and they saw we could apply it to interviews and really just improving overall 
performance by, you know, oh, what was our tagline? If you don't know, you can't grow, you know, giving them new data Classic. points to make new uh, decisions. And, you know, we saw New York as an opportunity to really launch this business, gain some momentum. Um, and so we decided a summer in the city. We did indeed. And, you know, us being country boys and nature lovers, New York definitely was not the place for our overall happiness, but we knew we needed a sacrifice. So we took a chance. We went to New York, our initial apartment. Do you remember that? Oh, the day we got there was a torrential downpour, like the worst rain New York's has seen in 20 years. And there was like a, one of those exercise balls, like a half one of those full of water hanging from our ceiling. When we walked into our apartment, we put like all of our money into it on down deposits, everything. Yeah, we rented an apartment. It had a huge roof leak. And we get there and the whole place has a foot of water in it. So we couldn't stay there. So we hit up our sister who lived in New York at the time. And she had two dancer friends who had a spare bedroom, just one small bedroom and one, I think it was a queen size bed now. And Grant and I moved in for six months in Sunnyside, Queens, New York, living in this small room in a queen bed, sharing it. Both of us, both are over six foot too. And Grant snores like a train. (laughs) So it was definitely not the ideal environment, but we were hungry young entrepreneurs looking to make an impact. So we did what we had to do. Yeah, we we just, you know, we knew we've camped in many a tents around the world and caravaned around Brazil by this point in our lives. And we were, you know, spent so much time together. It wasn't a big deal. We just knew it was more economically advantageous to pursue our dreams if we were willing to make a little sacrifice there. And guys, in New York, we were hustling our ass off just to make money and put food on the table. I mean, I remember... We were doing catering events. We were bartending. We were modeling. I remember we even booked a photo shoot for Vogue magazine. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we had our hands in pretty much every pot you can imagine. We were bartending in the Hamptons till six in the morning, taking you know shuttle buses back, riding trains back from gigs all the way across the city, like four a.m. in a suit, like. You know, we we went for it. One of the jobs that really set us up for success was working for our friends event company that was hired by Guilt City, which is like a fashion outlet retailer. And we ended up picking up some of the best swag items that has ever caressed these bodies. <laughs> I mean, we had... Oh, yeah, we were stunting. We were stunting hardcore. We had... I had leopard shoes, personally. Grant had like thousands of dollars in suits. Oh, yeah. We we had probably more than our net worth or our family's net worth in suits because these were all like Prada and, you know, it was just like a crazy world, you know, and from a lot of the modeling gigs we were on, we got to keep the clothes. So we were, we were dressing like we were these Wall Street people, you know, what you see of success in all the magazines and everything. We wanted to be those people at that time. We idolized them. And so we dressed like that, but with way more swag. We were, we were getting it. Yeah. So the, the saying goes, fake it till you make it, you know, but I don't necessarily think that's the most accurate representation because not only were we faking it but we were dressing it we were talking it we were being it we were totally embodying this young tech startup founder role and persona so we literally had these suits on we had the business model we had the slide deck and we even got an incubator office you know basically 
given to us for well, more multiple than that. months. We, we, we hustled the whole incubator office space pretty oh, good. Yeah. This is like probably one of the greatest hustle, happy hustle hacks for all you listeners out there. Whenever you're traveling, doing business on the go, like we leveraged the New York office space system to our advantage mm-hmm. more than probably anyone ever has. We were at a different office space every single day, a different WeWork, you know, maximizing the free trial thing. You get a free trial day at any office space. There's like 500 of them in New York. We knew we had got a good year of free office oh, rent. Yeah. And the, the networking effect on top of that, we every day we got to meet, you know, 50 to 100 new people at a new office, you know, and get to talk about our business and, you know, grow our network. Yeah. I mean, we really did leverage that free trial day to the absolute max. I mean, we would go to offices just solely based on their event schedule. If they had hors d'oeuvres, it's a plus. If they had food or beverages and like some type of speaker that night, we would schedule our meetings for about an hour after our free trial um, walkthrough. And then we would go there Set up shop after we, we oh yeah, it's very nice. Well, we might take the corner office, but we want to see how the vibes are. So we got to feel it out first. So we would, we'd ask the, the person showing us around from these different WeWorks or incubator spaces. Hey, do you mind if we stay and work for a little bit? Oh, and we might have another person from our team coming. So we would have meetings from different coders or different prospective investors or, or who name, who knows? Some friends would just stop by. Hey, yeah, come, come by our office. And it wasn't our office at all. Free beer, free coffee, <laughs> lots of, lots of networking. There was a lot of pluses to it, but don't get us wrong, guys. We did this with integrity. We weren't misleading them in any way. Um, where we were selling false promises that we were like ready to sign up immediately. We told them like, look, you know, there's, we're new to the city. We want to find an office that really fits our us and our energy. And to be honest, we never really found that. We found having a blast just trying to find it. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. guys, that's one thing. You know, we keep it 100 on this show, but we also keep it 100 in life. And we really did need an office, so we were looking for offices. But regardless, the the point is you guys can happy hustle your way into, you know, leveraging free models, the free trial systems in so many different capacities if you just ask. So don't be afraid to ask there. Yeah, but beyond just the office space when we were in New York, and I do this in almost every city now when I'm traveling, is I go on meetup.com and see what's going on. If there's like something outside my comfort zone that we could learn, like every single night we got a free dinner, drinks, and conversation at some of the most like exclusive, you know, events around yeah new york because we leveraged our student ids because i was still currently a student in my master's program at university of florida um and carrie we used to have an office space down there so carrie had a uf student id as well Mm -hmm. um so we would like you know sign up as students we would get you know hundred dollar five hundred dollar access tickets to these dinners and these galas as you know entrepreneurial students and everyone wanted to you know help us out because we were young courageous young entrepreneurs trying to seize the world and you know, we, we leverage our student IDs as well to get us access to those places. But on meetup.com, you could find like we were at networking events all over the city in some of the most gorgeous places we never dreamed we'd be in. Yeah, which leads us into actually one of the morals of this story and where the setting of this epiphany moment really took place was in these meetings with A, Microsoft, and then B, IBM. And we had our pitch down pretty damn good. This elevator pitch was was 
something of a beauty, if I say myself. Yeah, we were we were rehearsed. I just was fresh off of winning a couple of pitch competitions at college and knew the, the whole Shark Tank routine and how to make it a little too showy for its own good, to be honest. Um, but that was hot at the time, so we were good at it. We had, I remember one time Carrie and I actually in an elevator pitching an angel investor, leaving a networking event. We followed him into the elevator and gave it to him there, and it was like 90 seconds to sink. The bell rings, and he's just like, here's my card. Yeah. Classic. What about the time we pitched and we actually had baseball clubs on <laughs> oh, yeah that was a different time we actually there was a fast pitch competition like fast pitch we're like oh fast pitch baseball softball let's let's play around with this one we showed up with gloves and we gave a fake pitching motion like we're ready to pitch in our intro it was oh, extremely yeah. cheesy but hey how do you learn yep sometimes cheesy is memorable and uh it's always important <laughs> to be memorable in your interactions guys so make sure that you stand out especially when you're looking for funding um, so we're at this Microsoft meeting and full transparency, we were there to poach coders. And <laughs> that being said, we didn't know shit about coding and they were doing a coding meetup. So we went there pretending like we were coders. In reality, we were having side conversations in the back by the hors d'oeuvres trying to say, hey, are you looking for a job by chance? We have no money, but we would love to hire you on the team for equity, or we're about to get our Series A funding round. Um, can you tell us what languages? Oh, your Python? Oh, your JavaScript? Oh, great. We, we are in way over our head, <laughs> to say the least. But yes, we were working the room, and... Mm -hmm. You know, that you could see our energy was authentic. You know, we were just trying to meet new people. And some people are, these coders wanted to take a risk outside, you know, the corporate confines and are looking for some equity deals to do on the side. So, you know, we, we were in there hustling. Yeah, that's what it's about, guys. We were definitely hustling. We were working probably six days a week, you know, definitely seven till eight, maybe every night, like getting up early, staying late, going to meetings and meetups. And we were at this Microsoft event and they have a program within Microsoft that essentially leverages their cloud technology and their data and analytics for young entrepreneurs. So not only were we there poaching coders, but we found out about this program that essentially gives us as a young tech startup an opportunity to use all of their software and their data and their computing processing for free, almost like a scholarship program. Yeah, beyond that, they just really invest in, you know, the future of your enterprise and the name power of Microsoft behind you helps you ink any other deal you need. So, you know, we saw a lot of value in that. We're entertained by the biz spark, but we honestly, you know, we didn't have any deals signed at this point. We just were meeting with them and um, met the chief ev evangelist and, you know, learned a little bit more about the program after the meetup um, and planned to follow up. And then I think it was like the next night we went to a meetup at the Spotify place. Yeah. So there was a meetup. For it was at Spotify's headquarters, which is the music streaming you know service I'm sure you're aware of, and IBM had some of its chief executives there the presenting. Head of big tech. Yes, yeah, big data. And so we went there, and we stayed late, which we always do at these type of events. We stayed late to talk to the speakers, and you know this particular speaker was essentially head of this this program it's the global entrepreneurship program and they also offer 
seed investment and tech support and cloud computing and all this software for your startup. And so instantly we were like, yeah, we were at Microsoft the the day earlier talking about. Um, well, that, that, yeah, it happened. That, that was a little later in the conversation. I think we just met with um, the head guy that night. And we're like, yeah, we'd love to, you know, yeah, tell right. you more about our business. And then we went into our traditional 90 second, you know, roll call here, hit him with a one, two punch, got his interest. He's like, saw the, the, the possibility and he connected us with the people at the global um entrepreneurship program uh, we, yes and when he set us a meeting he did us a solid and like jumped through all the gatekeepers and he gave us the layup into the meeting that we had you know he gave us like a two-day notice into this the meeting of our lifetime it really was yeah we were on like the top of this building in new york with mahogany tables a bunch, mahogany. Of, bunch of suit and ties looking out at all of new york city and we're like where are we what well are we tell doing? them about how we prepped for that meeting because we really hustled our ass off to be prepared for this this huge opportunity with ibm with the executives with the global entrepreneurship program leaders you know grant was right we this this speaker from from the spotify meetup gave us such a great opportunity because we stayed late we pitched we pitched hard but it was effective and he essentially said here you go here's the keys let's see if you can unlock the door and guys when you have an opportunity in life you must seize it and you must be ready to seize it. So we stayed up late. We were ready to late? seize this moment. I don't remember sleeping, I don't man. know if we like, did either. I think we had some bugs in the beta that I was trying to fix and getting these executive summaries tight. Like we want this is IBM guys. They're like the OGs in the tech industry and we're here with a tech startup. We're like, this is like, this is everything if we can make it that we didn't really you know, know going in. Yeah. And we hustled. We did not sleep. We had the tightest executive summary that got feedback from some of the top mentors that we met in New York. We were just on it. And like, I remember walking into that meeting, like looking at each other and that is like, you know, almost the imposter syndrome. We were just like, we had so much confidence and swagger because, yeah, we're, we're dressed nice. We're, we got good, you know, support material. We were prepared, you know, and mentally prepared because we knew we had each other by our sides yep. you know a bond that's been through it all <laughs> yeah for sure man definitely having your ride or die bro right next to you going into your meeting of a lifetime it sets the tone for success and having that confidence and you know grant was right we went in there i remember first thing we went in there we shook hands you know and then i remember sliding our little printouts to each mm -hmm. executive we had this little like index card printout pew, 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 like frisbeeing them across the table and uh you know and, and grant's gonna tell you a little bit about boom and just one two three punch and left and right with our yeah, with our facts and we were so intimidated like we went through like mock trials like a lawyer would with like every question they would potentially ask us so we knew what the answers were gonna be to that and we like came in there hot with like the overall pitch and it was like I don't know exactly like this. This was not a premeditated thing. I wish we were this genius about it, but it just kind of was a slip of the tongue because they were using some of the language that we we overheard at the Microsoft talk, some some tech jargon that we had no comprehension of. But it was like, oh, those are some buzzwords I remember. We're like, oh yeah, we just read a meetup of that at over at the Microsoft BizSpark program, and their little radar just went off. And the whole competition, competition. The whole meeting just turned on its head. And it was hilarious. Yeah, really. Because, guys, what you need to know is Microsoft directly competes with IBM's program. And when we referenced us being a potential 
you know, candidate for their other competitors program, they instantly were like, oh, wait, we need them on our program. We need to have them involved in our, our program and we need, you know, them now. And, and so we basically flipped the script in the meeting. Once we knew that we had leverage, this was some flow state shit. I tell you what, because I remember Grant was firing questions through IBM executives like, so why should we be involved in your program? Yeah. And what are some of the, the <laughs> key differentiating factors that you offer that maybe Microsoft won't? Yeah, we were literally, they had the juiciest offer for us ready to sign when we left there. Oh, yeah. It was like, we completely, we both look at each other and we're just like, we got them. And like, we just like went, for, you know, pulled out the old Zig Ziglar sales thing and put them through the end of the clothes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the audio books that Carrie and I used to memorize. We've listened to them so many times on, you know, all of our road trips around the country. Um, and yeah, so we were in there prepared, ready you know, to seize this moment, we got the offer of a lifetime to work with IBM. And we're like, whoa, you know, we're like, well, we still have a meeting set with Microsoft, you know, um, for like what later that week or the next week is for the head of the BizSpark program. So we went in there with so much confidence. It was dangerous to the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we just had IBM. We had a private investor that we met at one of our bartending gigs in the Hamptons. Yeah. Um, this guy was very interested in our technology, more money than he knew what to do with. Our ask was like too petty for him. He wanted to up it. Um, and we had a couple meetings with him. And so we had another investment lined up. We went into Microsoft. and Well, I think we were asking for a million dollars. Yeah. A million dollar seed round. And he he usually invests in like $10 million seed round. So when we asked for a million, he's like, well, I'll give you a million, but what are you going to do with it? You know, yeah. I, I want you to make this the global next startup um, app based, you know, business that really can quantify feedback and use this algorithm that you guys have created to then empower, you know, feedback and knowledge acquisition in various industries around the world. I mean, we're not talking about just entertainment industry feedback. We're talking about job interview feedback. We're talking about dating feedback. Like that's why it was so attractive to Microsoft, IBM, these private investors, because there were so many different applications for this quantification of feedback. Yeah, there was there was so much value add and it wasn't exactly what we the beast we knew we were, we were getting into though. And it escalated so quickly after that IBM meeting, we both were like kind of like a little distraught about this cuz it wasn't exactly like on our trajectory going to New York that we wanted to get so corporate and we didn't know we were going to be these suit guys and all this and you know we ended up, you know, going back and meeting with Microsoft people and we had an offer from them as well. And I just remember both like, six figure offers from Microsoft and IBM. Yeah. And then a seven figure offer from this private investor. We had all the necessary tools to launch our tech startup, to hire a team, to build it out. The only stipulation was, and this is really where I started shitting bricks and getting cold feet, <laughs> which was we had to be five years committed on paper to the business. Yeah, the term sheet was just ridiculous. You know, with any of, even with the angel guy, like, let's be honest, guys, it's the nature of the beast. People are putting their money, they're taking a huge risk on you. And you guys all know this feeling. Like, you have, you feel like an obligation to provide an ROI. And I'm sure a lot of you entrepreneurs out there listening, you know, can empathize with this. It's just like, you know, you like, you feel this almost 
if you take your friends or family's money, even more guilt almost that you have to provide an ROI. And we like were wanted these happy lives where we could travel and live free like we did in Brazil together in South America. You know, we had a taste of that freedom and we're like, we're about to put on a suit for the next five years and have to have a lot of dry conversations and board meetings that is that really how we want to spend our five less of our time? And like, we started thinking and I, I remember the moment for me, I don't know exactly when it was for Carrie, but I was on a train ride home. Like, I think we, we separated one day. It was going home from something. I'm on like, you know, the New York subway, whoever of you visited, I'm sure almost all you listeners know the craziness of that. Just so much sight sounds, all this. And it's just like chaos. And we're Montana, like nature lovers, beach bums in Florida, surfing, skating, riding horses. Like we connect with nature so much. We didn't have that for like the three months of that summer, really. You know, yeah, you can go to Central Park, but you never find a, like a quiet place to really connect. And I was like, I read this quote and it was the Gandhi quote. The earth provides enough for every man's needs, but not everyone's greed. And it was just like, whoa, I've become kind of this greedy person seeking all these financial things. And I'm like not connected with the things I truly actually care about, which is nature and making a positive impact on the planet. And Carrie and I had a couple of really hard conversations. Yeah, we were in tears, guys. I mean, we worked so hard for these opportunities. We put our blood, sweat, tears, timeless, or just tons of time, <laughs> you know, this activity that we expended, this energy put forth to get to this opportunity, and it's right in front of us. And we both realized that we couldn't take the money. We couldn't, we couldn't with our, our souls sell out to the system, this, this greed, this, this society society's deeming us successful because we have the tech startup and the the seven figure funding deal and the huge team and yes we're doing good in the world yes you know the the app the app had tons of positive benefits but deep deep down we knew that we couldn't do it yeah it was just understanding that we truly wanted to work on purpose and create something that mattered that was going to change the world. And yeah, there was some some facts of this, but by the time the business model had to pivot so much to appease, you know, corporate giants like IBM and Microsoft and angel investors, you know, there wasn't as much heart in the business as it once started. And we both realized that, and, you know, we were just like, New York was wearing us down one day yeah. at a time. We were on you the know, fast And like the hustle, and it was like, we were... Like it sounds all cool getting these meetings and everything, but the grind that we put in was like, whoa! It was something we never had to do before. You know, we're talking, we're bartending till six a.m. and we're at the office at eight. You know, for a new meeting, we'd go shower, change, go back. You know, and just make things happen wherever, whenever. You know, in New York, it was, the city never sleeps, so we there was always an opportunity for us. And we're like, who are we to pass up this opportunity? So we were like getting unhealthy not being able to work out right you know just like eating all the new york street food on the go just not in our peak optimal 
selves and you could you know we all know that feeling i'm sure you listeners have you know experienced that when you're not in flow and you know we're you're gaining success but you're not internally happy and we saw you know what society deemed as successful from all those hard jobs we worked and you know bartending in the hamptons and these galas and these tech conferences we were around the rich and the famous of the world and we saw like how empty and miserable they were in so many ways like we always idolized like oh money equals success Fancy house, fancy car, nice suit, beautiful, you know, significant other, and you're that success. But we saw like the look in some of these people's eyes and these mansions with everything in the world, and they truly were not happy. And we're like, we're not happy. Yeah. Which brings us to the actual takeaway from this story, guys, which is you must redefine what success actually means to you. Like, are you right now hustling but not happy? Or are you on the fast track to burnout potentially like we were in New York? Or are you selling your soul for a paycheck? And we were doing all those things. You know, we were really we were really in a state of sheer exhaustion from pushing so hard but also achieving our goal to get to the next level in our business. But it came at a cost. So we looked at each other and we said we can't do it. We kindly declined the offers from, you know, every single one of these different programs and these investors. I moved to Thailand for nine months. And uh, like the next day, like it was, this was like, this wasn't like, you know, oh, huge premeditated, let's write warm felt emails. After that train ride for me and after with Carrie, I think we both flew to Montana and just went right into the woods. And then Carrie launched from there to L.A. to Thailand for eight months. And I flew back to to, uh, Gainesville and I went and finished my master's. And, you know, we're like, let's do what makes us happy. And, you know, let's enjoy life more because at any time we could go back and create those offers because we already learned so much from it and we didn't burn the bridges or let anyone down um in that way other than you know our our former selves that were so determined with ambitious goals but people you guys it's okay to pivot when you like aren't feeling the flow when you aren't happy it's time to like you know first realize that be aware of it and take corrective action. You know, we just made the decision. We're like, we don't need to do another day of sirens and, you know, loud trains and smells of New York and wearing sweating in a suit in New York. And Yep. No, yeah. we made the decision, guys. And we said, we're going to say no to these opportunities so we can say yes to our true self and our true dreams and a life on our terms filled with purpose and passion. And that was, you know, essentially our, our story and it shaped our reality. And I don't regret the decision at all. Grant, do you? Not for one second. And guys, greatest thing that happened to me. Exactly. So we give you permission. If you're in the hustle, but not happy to change it, to pivot. And I hope that, you got something from this story. I sure enjoyed telling it with my brother, Grant. I mean, it's, it's part of our journey. And, you know, we learned a lot from that time. And now here we are both happy hustling, doing things that we love. And you can too. Yeah, perfectly said. You know, really, all you listeners, 
If you work on purpose, you really don't work a day in your life. I know that sounds cliche as could be, and it is a little cheesy, but the amount of just like happiness I get from doing what I love, which is actually working and helping solve these environmental crises and, you know, changing the lives of people around the world, I don't consider it work. I truly live to do it. And I knew that wasn't going to be the case in New York and so grateful for that decision and to have my, my brother by my side and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and share this story with you all. I hope you learned a thing or two from it. Yeah, guys, we love you so much. We hope you enjoyed this Sunday story with Carrie and Grant on the mic. We love you. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Happy Hustle Podcast. I truly am so grateful that you took the time out of your busy day to spend time with me. Now, if you got any value from this episode or any episodes in the past, it would mean the world to me if you could please leave a five-star review and share this episode with your friends so we can continue to spread this message. Guys, as always, it's been a blast. Now go out there and happy hustle for your dream reality. Peace.